You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Somebody needs to say, I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. I am free. I am free. I am free. There is a place for me. There's a place for you. You know, it's so interesting how we can, can thank you guys. Y'all are awesome. We can confess Christ as our Savior and then doubt his word. Doubt that there's a place for us. Doubt that we're special enough. Doubt that God can do it for us. I have got a news flash for you. Your goofiness is lesser than the blood of Christ. All the issues in your world, all the issues in your mind, all the issues in your emotion, all the junk that you go through is not greater than the power of the blood of Jesus. His blood has conquered sin and death once and for all for you and I. And as we receive that free gift, we're a child of God. As we receive that gift, we are free in Christ Jesus. The world no longer has a hold on us. And there is a place for you. And you can be saying, lady, that's easy for you to say, look where you're at. I was once where you are too. You ever notice when you're in worship, when you're in his presence, he'll take you back to different moments? And I can remember being <laughs> raised Catholic. We would have mass in our home, born again in a Baptist church because they let my druggy boyfriend play in the band the first day we went. Who does that? But God knew how to keep us. Then I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in the state penitentiary. And the Baptists didn't really want me on their stage anymore. My job was falling apart because the drug-dealing boss that I was all of a sudden was getting water baptized. They didn't like me in there anymore. And everything's falling apart. And so I go into this church whose spirit fills and they're singing a song on who the sun sets free is free indeed. And all of a sudden I knew I was home. Not because of a building, but because of the very presence of God. And I can remember for years wondering, where do I fit? Where do I fit? Where do I belong? What's my gift? What's my purpose? They've got it all together. Guess what? Newsflash, none of them people had it all together. They just knew the one who held it. And in that moment, I wasn't home because of a building or a people. I was home because of his presence. All of a sudden, in the midst of my whirlwind of a life, I began to understand what it was to enter into his rest, to enter into who he is. And so you might be here today for the first time or the 500th time, but I want to encourage you that you're home. You are home. All you've got to do is enter into his presence. Allow him to touch you. Allow him to minister life to you. He is what you need. He's what I need. And his blood is greater than the very thing that has brought you here today. His blood is greater.
It's greater than your but. But, 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 but. His blood is greater. You don't get to lessen the power of his blood. You don't get to lessen what he's done at the cross for us. Once and for all, he, Christ Jesus, has defeated it for you and for me. Hallelujah. I'm really so glad you guys are here today. That was free. That was free. So I'm obviously not my husband. And um, just get ready for a roller coaster this morning. If, if you don't know how to have fun in church, you're going to find out how to have fun today. Or I'm going to really offend you. And if that's the case, let's just find Jesus together. So let's take a look at Philippians. You know, I have been loving the Kingdom Life series. Have y'all been loving it? Oh, my word. If you have missed it, y'all go back and listen to it. You can find it on the website. It has been amazing. It's been amazing. Zach has been on point. God is speaking to his people. And we're going to continue in that today. And one thing that the Lord has been resounding in my inner man that I can't get away from, even if I want to, is Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ. There's no other option. There's no other option for me to live is Christ. You know, growing up, look, I am a what you see is what you get kind of girl my entire life. What you see is what you get. I played sports. I was going to be the best. You were not going to laugh at me. I was not going to be a goofball. Dad, teach me how to be the best. So we're going to put in all the hours. We're going to put in the hours in the gym. We're going to put the hours on the court. We're going to put the hours in. All in. I go off into the world. All in. Do drugs? Let's just sell them. All in. Meet Jesus. All in. He says, I'm free, I'm free. He says, I'm delivered, I'm delivered. He says, I'm healed, I'm healed. He says, to me is, to, to live is Christ. To live is me, I'm all in. Yeah. And so one thing I never understood as a believer is how we could say we believe in Christ and live like the devil. How we could say we believe in Christ and come to church on Sunday and worship, yet live like the devil Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Look, it doesn't matter if your pastor or your Sunday school teacher sees you on Tuesday or not. Jesus lives with you. He lives with me. So we're not on a checklist to see who can be holier than the next person or who can outdo the next person. We're here because we love Jesus, because he first loved us. And so, church, we're either all in or we're all out. We either want to live with Christ or we need to just go live in the world. And you say, ooh, you're on the pulpit. I am. I've got to give an account for what I say, and I'll say it again. We either need to live all in with Jesus, or we just need to go live in the world. 
Because living half-hearted in the church isn't helping anybody. We need to live like we believe what we say. Paul said it in Philippians, to live is Christ. Galatians 2.20 says that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. To be crucified with Christ means that we have been killed. We have put to death the old man. We had a funeral here the other day. At a funeral, you're there because someone is no longer living, right? If that coffin would have popped open and they sat up, we would have freaked out. We would, I would have taken off running. So why can you and I as a believer, when we have put to death the old man, do we let that stinky old man wake up and jump out any old time he wants to? When we have been crucified with Christ, that old man has been killed and put to death, no longer to awaken. When we have been crucified with Christ, we have gone to the place of no return. There's no going back. Look, March of 2000? Wow. 2000. On Collie Saloon Road in Lafayette, Louisiana, I had a funeral service for my old man. I went and I was water baptized in that tank. And that old nasty girl that I was was buried with Christ represents the death of Heather Moore. That was my maiden name. I was a Moore back then. God had to clean me up before I could meet Mr. Prosser. <laughs> Dead. I can talk about that old drug dealer. I can talk about that old nasty girl out in the clubs partying it up every night of the week. I can talk about her because she no longer lives. She no longer lives. I no longer represent that person because Christ's blood came and crucified her, washed me clean, delivered me from that lifestyle. She is no longer there. She has been crucified with Christ. Not only have those old habits and hang-ups, but the old thought patterns. The way that I thought about myself, the way that I thought about the world, the way that I thought about my family, the way that I thought about others, the things that I spoke about. You know how my dad knew that I was born again? He said, you don't curse like a sailor anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Crucified with Christ. Are y'all following? Crucified, the place of no return. No one can come and tell me that Jesus isn't alive. No one can tell me that he doesn't save. No one can tell me he doesn't deliver. Because I went and met him on Calvary. I went and met him where he was beaten and he was put up on that cross, nailed for you and I. I had a Baptist preacher tell me one time, I was born again about maybe a year. My boyfriend at the time, we, everybody ended up in jail. Those of y'all that don't know my story, God bless you. Everybody ended up in jail. Not me, because God knew I couldn't handle it. I probably should have been there. 
they all ended up in jail, went to Christian rehab. Well, they get out. We're all born again now. And God literally strikes lightning at our feet. It was a beautiful day. There was no clouds. Lightning strikes. We both hear him, my boyfriend at the time. I have a plan for your life. It's not together. So we break up. His parents come outside. What did you do? Our TV and computer are blown. So lightning really did strike. Yes, what did you do? So it all happens, right? I'm broken. I'm more broken in that moment because all of a sudden, I'd given the whole old way of doing things was gone. All of my medications, right? Self-medicating habits were gone. I clung to a guy I wasn't supposed to. Now God says I got a plan for you and it ain't with him. So I'm broken. What do I do now? I'm literally a sobbing mess. So I go to the pastor. What do I do? He's like, I don't know. Y'all don't make any sense to me. <laughs> they all thought we were going to get married. And he says, but one thing I know is Calvary. So if you can get a hold of Jesus and the cross in this, you can get through anything. And that was the best advice anyone could ever give me. Because the reality is, is that when you and I and our habits, our hang-ups, our issues, our emotions, our thoughts, our bodies, our health, our families, come on, our hopes, our dreams, when we can find them at Calvary and they can be crucified with Christ, there we really start living. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful he didn't tell me to fight for the relationship. I'm so thankful he didn't tell me that, oh, it's worth it. I'm thankful he told me Jesus. Because Jesus had a greater plan for my life than I ever could have imagined. And he's got one for you. Right where you are. Our primary aim in this life is to fulfill the purposes of Christ. And honoring him in everything that we do. And we can't do that if we don't put him first. Matthew 6.33 says what? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And all these things will come to pass. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Not our own agendas. Not our own bank accounts. Not our own dreams. Y'all, I used to, what was that verse? That desire, delight yourself with the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Oh, I was so angry at that verse for years. Because I went to church and loved Jesus and he didn't give me anything I wanted. Like, what is wrong with him? Hello? I had, that area hadn't been crucified yet. Right? I wasn't really delighting in him. I was delighting in what I wanted. And if I look good enough and act good enough and look holy enough, maybe he'll give it to me. No way! We find our greatest pleasure in him. In his presence, his fullness of joy. At his right hand, pleasures evermore. And as we find ourselves hidden behind the veil, finding ourselves drinking of the sap of heaven, all of a sudden our desires come melted into his. And he, at that point, can give us our desires. You know what I wanted at the time? I wanted a husband. Y'all, I was such a mess. I would have hurt. I, we, 
I was such a mess. But he had to shift and change me and prepare me for his glory. What's he preparing you for today? In your waiting, what's he preparing you for? It says that the Fire Bible says that the opportunity to relate to and to share in Christ's death and resurrection is a gracious gift of God. And it becomes activated through faith in Christ. That faith is not just an intellectual belief, but an active trust that surrenders the leadership of one's life to the Son of God. You know, what, what's very interesting, and um, you can go ahead and take that down. What's very interesting is how many of you have ever heard the word discipleship? Discipleship, by definition, is a disciplined learner. A disciplined learner, which means that you choose to position yourself under the leadership for direction, right? It's very interesting the amount of people that say, I want to be discipled, and the first time you say no to something, they buck, they run, they itch, they scream, they shout, and they run away. And the interesting thing is, the very thing that we do to those that are discipling us when they tell us no, is the very thing we do to Jesus when he comes alongside of, side of us and say, why don't you try it this way? And we try to make it look all holy because we justify it by something else. But at the end of the day, either we're surrendered to his lordship or we're still Lord over our life. Come on. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, do you belong to Jesus today, have crucified the flesh and with it its passions and desires. Galatians 6.14 says, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Paul's saying, I don't know about all that other stuff. I don't have time to mess and meddle in all those things. What matters to me is the new creation that Christ provides. That is what I know. That is what I cling to. I'm not going to sit there and argue about all the denominations of the world. I'm not going to talk about all the church growth things. The one thing Thing that I worry about is the new creation in Christ Jesus. Are you born again? Do you know Jesus? Have you fallen in love with him? Have you met him at the cross? Has he transformed your life? Paul says, the one thing I worry about is the new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. You and I, we don't have time to boast in religions. We don't have time to boast in what we sacrifice or don't sacrifice or did you do whatever. We can't because we're too busy about our Father's business. Are we born again? For to me to live is Christ. Romans 6.2 says, How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Scripture tells us that we're to flee from sin, that we're to run far from it. 
And you're like, lady, we're in church today. Listen, I'm getting to the happy part. <laughs> but y'all know Zach and I. We're going to talk about the hard stuff. We're going to talk about the stuff that people don't like to talk about from the pulpit. Sin is sin, and it's ugly. And sin has no place in the believer's heart and in our life. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? The idea of a Christian continuing in sin is entirely contrary to the gospel. Sin is hateful and it's destructive. Those who have died to the love of sin and the ruling power of sin should never, ever want to live in it any longer. Ever. Y'all, I, I had fun in that old life, but at the same time, it was pure agony compared to the joy that is found in Christ. Why would I want to live in it? Why would I want to meddle in it? Why would I want to give an open door to the enemy when the Son has set me free? When there's now no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When he calls me a royal priest, a holy nation. When he says that I'm his daughter, the very apple of his eye. Why would I want to run from the goodness of God? The one who's called me since before the foundations of the world. The one who loves us with an everlasting love. The one who's faithful even when we're not faithful. He provides our all in all. Have you fallen in love with him? Have you fallen more in love with him than with your sin? Now I'm going to burst somebody's bubble in here. I smoke as much weed as I want to today. And I just tick someone off. <laughs> I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. I get to smoke as much weed as I want to today. You're talking to the ex-druggie, 20 years clean. I don't want to smoke anything. I don't want to even meddle in it. And I'm going to burst your bubble even a little bit more. I haven't had a drink in 20 years. Not because I'm an, I'm an alcoholic or was an alcoholic or blah, 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 blah. I have found a love like no other. I have found the one who satisfies my soul that if I'm having a bad day, if I am stressed out of my mind, and there are times when I am. Newsflash, I'm human. Zach, I'm about to explode. And he tells me one of two things. You need to go pray in tongues. You need to go for a run and find Jesus. Because when you step into his presence, everything else changes. The greatest joy, the greatest delight, the greatest pleasure that ever was is found at Calvary. Is found at the crimson bloodstain of Jesus. He has set me free. If you are angry, if you are bitter, if you are lonely, if you are depressed, if you are suicidal, if you are an addict, if you... You are a womanizer. You might be cheating on your spouse. Lo and behold, I'm going to look at the screen that's blank. <laughs> Jesus can set you free. Jesus can help you crucify the flesh. Not by man's doing, but by the very power of the blood of Christ. When you gaze upon Jesus, 
when you gaze upon the one who has never sinned. The one that loves you more than life in itself. The one who is willing to lay down his life for you. When you look into his eyes, everything begins to change. When you realize that on your darkest day, the darkest day of your life, he was right there with you. And he was still Allowing himself to be bruised and beaten and murdered for you. Everything changes. Romans 6, 5 says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's the amazing thing. Is When I lost my life 20 years ago, when you bowed your knee, you didn't lose it all. You gained the whole world. You gained everything. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That old self has been defeated. It's deprived of its power. It no longer has a hold on you. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's a great exchange. It was the great exchange that day in Lafayette, Louisiana on Collie Saloon Road when I went down under that water and we had my first burial service. I came up and get to experience life in a whole new way. All of a sudden, I wasn't a loser anymore. All of a sudden, I had a whole new life to experience with Christ Jesus. And so do you. You ever go around a toddler that's getting to experience everything for the first time and even the whisk is exciting? Get around a new believer in Christ Jesus that gets to experience all things new in Christ. Their first Easter born again. Their first Mardi Gras born again. Their first Christmas born again. Come on. First family gathering born again. Everything changes. And if you don't have a new believer around you, go share the gospel. Go share. There are people around us that need to know the freedom. Come on. And as we begin to walk others through it, we again find ourselves awakened. Awakened to the new life in Christ. Awakened and reminded of all that he's given us. That all of a sudden we realize our life isn't our own. That we're living for a greater purpose. You have a greater purpose. You have been called for such a time as this in the kingdom of God. You have been called. You have been delivered. You have been set free for a purpose in Christ. How do I know? You're still breathing. You've still got lung, air in your lungs. Lung in your lungs. You've still got air in your lungs. There's still purpose for you. 
He lives in me. You know what our greatest hindrance to allowing ourselves to live in Christ Jesus is? Ourself. Sometimes we need to tell ourselves, get out of the way. Just get out of the way. You're in the way. Let Jesus reign in me. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 3.3 is like, hey, are you so foolish? Come on. After you began in the Spirit, why are you trying with your own efforts? Hey, get out of the way. You couldn't save yourself, and you can't live it out by yourself. It doesn't work that way. So we've got to get out of the way. How do we get out of the way? What are things that hinder us? Our, our minds. What you and I think and say to ourselves all day, every day matters. Come on. For those of you that are married, do you remember the first time you ever thought, you big ding dong, and God came and said, that's your spouse. when you talk like that about yourself. We are our own worst enemies. We're our own worst critics. And most of the time it's in our heads when other people can't hear it. You're enough because Christ says you're enough. You're enough because he that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. And as we begin to talk to ourselves as he would talk to us, all of a sudden we get out the way. All of a sudden, everything's possible to him who believes because I'm believing that which I'm hearing. I'm believing that which I say I believe in. You know how I began to start living this out? All of a sudden, I found myself in the shower. Every time I'd wash my hair, I'd be preaching to myself, right? Because me, I just want to talk myself out of everything. Everybody's like, oh, you're so brave. You're... Nope. I have the same insecurities as everybody else, Right? But he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. And all of a sudden, I would be washing my hair, and I'd start preaching a sermon to myself. I didn't even know I was preaching. I was just rebuking myself and correcting myself with the word of God. But it began something in my life. It began me speaking truth over myself. It began me shutting up my own inner voices. You can hear yourself. You can hear the enemy. You can hear the world, or you can hear Jesus. Which one do you think you should hear? Right? Whichever one you feed is the one that you're going to listen to. So if you feed the world, if all you listen to is Facebook, is the Internet, is the news, is family, come on, you're going to just hear that over and over and over again. Some of you need to block some people on your phone, turn off your Facebook, shut down your TV, and get in the Bible and see what he's got to say about you because you're believing the lies of the enemy. But when I began to open up and get out, open up my Bible, get out of my own way, come on, and let Jesus begin to tell me who I am. Let Jesus begin to tell me what he's done. Then all of a sudden, I can live and walk by faith. All of a sudden, I can begin to walk out my Christianity because I'm not telling myself I'm a loser every day. I'm not telling myself I am right and they're wrong every day. All of a sudden, I'm praying for them. All of a sudden, I'm believing God's best for them. All of a sudden, I'm saying, Lord, I don't even want to be right. I just want to see you glorified. How does that go? 
John 17, 20, I love this. So this is Jesus. And he's praying. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You know that somebody's going to believe in Christ because of your walk. They're going to see Jesus in you, not because of what you say, but because of the life that you live. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus is praying that you and I would be with him and that we'd be able to see his glory. I just want you to, right where you're at, just close your eyes. Get out of our heads a little bit. And become aware of the very presence of God. It's more important that you see him than hear any word I ever share. He prays that you and I might be with him where he's at and that we might behold that word behold is to observe with a sustained attention sustained attention not just in passing by but in awe where you have to stop and nothing else matters no noise no desires nothing a sustained attention on him. And it also inclines that the idea that you and I are entering into an experience with him. That it's not just some faraway thing, but that you and I, everything stops. And we begin to experience him in all of his splendor, in a whole new way. That right there is to live as Christ. All the other stuff is gone, but Christ remains. He's the only thing that matters. And Jesus says in his prayer, he says, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. 
And he's praying that, to God that you and I would be able to know this. And before the foundation of the word implies that love and interpersonal interaction amongst the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit did not begin at some point in time, but that is it always eternally existed. And that goes to the eternal covenant that's promised us in, um, well, we'll go to Hebrews first. In Hebrews 13, that the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant makes you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. You see, I love, you got to take this slowly. Jesus is praying to the Father about us being able to see him in his glory, us being able to know the love that the Father and Son have always had. And then we go to Hebrews 13, and we're going to go to Acts in a second, and it's talking about the everlasting covenant that makes you and I complete. And it, y'all, you'd have to take a Bethesda class to go through all the details, but the beauty and the facet of the reality that it's not just about you and I being dead to sin, right? The cross is not just about you and I being dead to sin. If that was it, then we would accept Christ and go to heaven forever immediately. But he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ in me, right? So the cross is the beginning of a brand new relationship with, with God, a brand new relationship with Jesus that gives us an understanding of perfect love, that all of a sudden we get to enter into their eternal covenant, that we get to know perfect love out of relationship. That Jesus prays that we might know the love that God had for the Son and the Son had for the Father and that they had in the Holy Ghost. So all of a sudden we get to enter into a place of perfection. Now look, I love my babies. But even my motherly love is scarred with human imperfections. Right? I have had to repent to my children. And I probably will this coming week. <laughs> right? Because I'm human. That doesn't mean I'm going to give way to sin. We're not talking that. We've already, we've already nailed her to the cross. We're just talking about humans. I love my husband. My husband loves me. Our love is not perfect. The only way for us to know perfect love is to know the love that God had for his son Jesus and Jesus had for his father. And Jesus is praying, God, Father, that they might know this, that you might allow them to experience it on this side of heaven. You and I are called to a greater life, to a greater fulfillment in Christ. As we die to ourselves and step in to the relationship, the heavenly dance, we get to experience a love like no other. And in Hebrews 13, it says it's an everlasting covenant, and it makes us complete. 
that thing that's been missing in us. It makes us complete in every good work to do what? His will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. If you don't believe what I'm saying, go to Acts 1 and verse 4. It's Jesus talking. And it says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Why? To wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. The eternal covenant is the very promise of the Father that he's going to send another helper to equip you and I for every good work. He's going to send us another one just like the first one. I don't have to do it alone. I get to call upon Jesus. I walked out here today totally and absolutely exhausted. I was so proud of my little mama self. We got Zach off to the airport. Thank you, Joe. I had my kids fed and asleep all three by 8 o'clock. Yes. I was finished studying and in bed for 10.30. Yes. Then Asher woke up at 11.45. No! I don't think he really went to bed till 5 a.m., people. I walked out here this morning a little cranky. Right? I Jesus, I'm going to have to live out this crucified flesh thing because I am miserable. Oh, it's prayer time. Thank you, Jesus. Who cares how I feel? I'm just going to enter in. I know that you are worthy. I know that you're here. I know that you knew that Asher wouldn't sleep last night. I thank you, Father God, that you're with me. And all of a sudden, the promise of the Father starts to pour himself over me. And I can feel the very presence of God from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And he cancels out all the that Heather can provide. The same thing for every one of us every day of our life because he's promised us another helper. He's promised us one that equips us for every good work. Those of you that are married, that means he has equipped you for your spouse. Those of you that work, he has equipped you for that job and how to deal with your coworkers and how to deal with your boss. Come on. Y'all, I was 20 years old running the number one store in the country giving my staff joints in the back room, right? All of a sudden get born again and start inviting them to my water baptism. And I had <clears throat> some homosexuals that worked for me. I had to hire, I look, they were all my friends. I'd hired them. They were angry that I had given up my lifestyle, that I had given up the party and that I wouldn't give them drugs anymore. They started calling home office and telling them all sorts of stuff. I'm making some people angry this morning. Welcome. Welcome to Celebration. How are you today? I was 20 years old. I was a kid. I was so stupid. They started calling home office. I was, gonna, I was supposed to get fired. They didn't know what to do with me because I made them a whole lot of money. And so what did I do? I called my Bible study leaders and said, help, help. Someone here today, you're in the middle of a situation that you don't know what to do. 
and it's time to call out for help. He has called you. He has equipped you. Sometimes our equipping comes with how he hems us in. He hems us in with our spouses. He hems us in with our kids. He hems us in with our families. Come on, somebody. With our workplaces, with our church body. Come on. And as we begin to seek wisdom and seek help, godly wisdom and godly help, he speaks. Do you know that I walked out of that situation a better person? Knocked down on the totem pole a little bit. I ate some humble pie. But it's no longer I that lives, but Christ. But Christ. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. Do you know that if he has called you, he will equip you? If he has put you in that marriage, he will give you what you need to work through it. If he has made you an employee, he has equipped you for every good work. If he has called you to do outreach, he's equipped you for every good work. If he has called you, he has equipped you for every good work. What are you talking about, lady? I don't know how to do this. Good. Ask him for help. Do you know how many things I don't know how to do? Look, I'm so thankful for Andrew. He's, he, he, he work, he's a mechanic, and when I have issues with vehicles, we call Andrew. But Andrew works a full-time job. So when the people that we're buying the beast from needed an answer, and Andrew couldn't leave his job, I could only take what Andrew's word said, right? So here comes executive pastor. All right, I'm coming. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come look at it. Brandon, we need, I need some information. What is this thing called again? It's a freight liner. And so we look all the specs. And then Andrew gives me all his details. And then I walk up to the truck like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, I need some help. Because I got to answer to you and I got to answer to your people with what we do with your finances. So I need the very wisdom of heaven. Let's do this. And I, lo and behold, this little goofy girl got the answers that she needed. Did, was it because I'm so smart and knowing and went to mechanic school? No. It's because I asked people for help and I relied on the Holy Ghost. There are things that you don't know how to do and he has called you to it. He does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are people right now that God is speaking to, and he's reminding you of things right now that scare you to death. Some in the business world, some in your marriage, some in your finances, some in the church, and he, you're, you've been playing this game with him, and he's saying today, just do it. Trust me and see that the goodness of the Lord is going to follow you all the days of your life. He's faithful. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it, 
not as the word of men, as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. That word effectively is an active operation or working of power. It's effectual results. His word will work itself out in you. Just lean into it. Just lean into it. Lean into him. Lean into it. Romans 8.37 says that. Y'all can go ahead and come back up. It says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why are you an overcomer? Why are you a conqueror? Because of his love for you and I. I am persuaded, not because you and I are amazing. I am persuaded that because he loves us, because of his blood, defeating sin or death, there is absolutely nothing that can separate you and I from the love of Christ. How many of you can say since you've been a believer have gone through hell and high waters and thought you might die? Let's just wave our hands right there. How am I going to survive it? Because of his love. Guess what? You survived it. That means you're going to continue to survive it. Not because of ourselves, but because of his love. That's why we can say, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ in me. He's gotten me through it. His love keeps me. He equips me and he keeps me. He equips me and he keeps me because he loves me. We've got to get out of the way and begin to believe it for ourselves. 1 John 4 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this love, the love of God was manifested towards us that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Sometimes getting past ourselves is reminding us how we ended up at the cross with Christ to begin with. And it's because of his love. It's because of his love. because of his love we get to walk in freedom and forgiveness and mercy grace 1 John 4.13 says by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit he's given us the spirit of love His love lives in us. His love. 1 John 4.18 says that there is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. 
If you're still struggling with self and sin and bondage, the only answer that you need is Jesus. 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 When we meet love face to face, given to us and it all goes back to that Hebrews 13 20 and the Acts 1 4 and 5 the promise of the Father and the eternal covenant that you and I might know the love the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father and it's given to us in the baptism of the Holy Ghost as he pours out his spirit Romans 5 5 the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost when you and I reject the Holy Spirit we are rejecting the very love of God you ever watch someone get touched by God the very presence of God and you know it's him but because someone has told them that that's wrong they stop the very move of God and therefore don't allow the love to come it's not about the It's not about what you've been taught or not taught and about what we think is right or wrong. Who are you and I to judge God? The love of God is poured out by the Holy Ghost. He's shed abroad in our hearts. Have you received his love? Has his love set you free? Jeremiah 31.3 says that the Lord appeared to him long ago saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with kindness. John 15.13 says that greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. John 15, 9 says that as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. So abide in my love. The life that you and I live, we now live by the Son of God. Abide in me and I in you. It is no longer I that live, but Christ in me. Why don't 
you go ahead and stand today? You know, as we are wrapping out the Kingdom Life series, I pray today, I pray today that you allow the love of God to be shed abroad in your hearts, not only in this moment, but every day for the rest of your life. That we might live in freedom. That we might be able to say with Paul, it is no longer I that live, but Christ in me. Christ. For to me, to live is Jesus. For to me, to live is Jesus. in an interesting day and age where many ears are going to be tickled. You know what scripture says in Matthew? That even some of the chosen will fall away because the love of God has grown cold. Do you hear him today? Do you hear him today? live in a day and age where we have to know that we know that we know that there's no going back. That I have been crucified with Christ. That it is no longer I that live but Christ in me. Christ in me. So we're going to worship. We're going to worship. And I, my prayer today really is that you allow the love of God to come and wash you and cleanse you and empower you to go out in the world and live as Jesus. To go out in the world and let your light shine before men so that others might come to know Jesus through your life. Let's worship him together.